What is up everyone? It's Quinn here. And in today's video, I'm going to be running through the best waiver wire targets heading into week four of the NFL season. So going through every single position, running backs, wide receivers, quarterbacks, tight ends, and then some potential streaming defenses, some very interesting potential pickups on the waiver wire this week. And then these are all going to be players or teams that are rostered in 50% or fewer leagues using ESPN fantasy football. If you all enjoy the video, hit that like button, subscribe to the channel. Any fantasy questions, drop them down below. But let's just jump right into it. We got to start it off here at the running back position. And I feel like the clear top waiver ad here has got to be Devon A-Chain. He's rostered in only 15.6% of leagues. And A-Chain was someone that I was really high on heading into the season. And he went out, absolutely broke out in week three, 18 carries, 203 rushing yards, two rushing touchdowns, and then was targeted four times, caught all four of those, um, and then had uh, two receiving touchdowns in there. 51.3 PPR points. Dropping a 50 piece in the second game you're active for in your NFL career is just absurd. And it's even crazier because Raheem Mostert also had a massive game. The Dolphins just went out there absolutely torched the Broncos, put up 70 points. But I think the kind of key factor that I want to point out here is that this was not a situation where the Dolphins went up early and then that's where they brought in Devon A-Chain and that's when he started to produce. This was a very solid split early on in the game between Raheem Mostert and Devon A-Chain. This was no longer like Raheem Mostert dominating the touches. Both of these running backs were very, very involved. And what I really liked about A-Chain heading into the season is that he's not a huge dude. He weighed in at, I believe, sub 190 um, at the combine. So he's probably not someone who's going to handle a huge workload, but he's a big play threat every time he touches the ball. He's a really solid pass catcher. And I just really loved his fit with Mike McDaniel because he's someone who really likes speed. We've seen it with Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddell. He can set these guys up for big plays. And I just thought that was a really nice blend with Devon A-Chain's just athleticism and his skill set. So I like that we kind of saw that showcased here in week three. I also thought it was interesting that A-Chain was in on four of the six goal line snaps. So they're not even really shying him away from, you know, rushing up the middle or really getting involved on the goal line, which is also just a great sign. So I think he has to be the top pickup here. With the way the Dolphins offense has looked through three weeks, I do think this is a um, just a backfield that can support two running backs for fantasy. Like I think Raheem Mostert and Devon A-Chain can be startable week to week. So someone who definitely should be rostered. And then I mean, if Raheem Mostert were to go down, a-Chain has like high-end RB1 upside as like a potential handcuff also to go along with his weekly value. So A-Chain, I feel like, has just got to be the number one priority pickup on waivers. Now, the next running back here is going to be Justice Hill. Um, it seemed like some people dropped him because he wasn't going to be playing in this game. Only rostered in 31.8% of leagues. And after what we saw to this uh, Ravens backfield, it's not like Gus Edwards stepped in and was just the workhorse. He did leave in the fourth quarter, I believe, with a concussion. But still, even before then, you had Kenyon Drake, Melvin Gordon. These guys were filtering in. So it is pretty clear the Ravens don't want to give Gus Edwards this massive workload. Justice Hill and him were kind of splitting touches in terms of uh, the work on the ground in the first few weeks. But Justice Hill was the guy that was way more involved as a pass catcher. It doesn't seem like Justice Hill's toe injury is overly serious. So he would be like the top running back to roster here for the Ravens. And I mean, on one of the better rushing attacks in the NFL, there's no way that Justice Hill should just be sitting out there on waivers, should definitely be rostered in over 50% of leagues. Now we're going to be shifting over to kind of like the handcuff territory with these running backs. I know they're not super flashy. You probably don't love rostering them, but we saw how important it was just looking back at last week, right? Nick Chubb goes down. If you were rostering Jerome Ford, 
you kind of just, you know, picked up an RB2 on your team and he was just sitting there pretty much doing nothing while Nick Chubb was healthy. So these handcuffs really can be huge and they can be players you start throughout the rest of the season. So we're going to start it off with Elijah Mitchell, rostered in just under 37% of leagues. He had his um, most involvement in week three, 34% snap share, 11 carries, three targets. I don't think Mitchell's someone who's going to be involved week to week, or not that he won't be involved, but I don't think he's playable for fantasy week to week, but he is the clear-cut Christian McCaffrey handcuff. That is one of, if not the most valuable handcuff role, you know, the running back one spot for the 49ers. So Elijah Mitchell has to be rostered in pretty much every normal size league with normal benches. The next running back is going to be Tajay Spears, uh, rostered in 15.7% of leagues. We saw him outsnap Derrick Henry again. I believe he did it in week one. He outsnapped Derrick Henry again here in week three, uh, 27 snaps to 17. A lot of that was game script, but it is very clear that the Titans do like Tajay Spears. They trust him. If Derrick Henry were to go down, he becomes a great fantasy option in your lineup. Then we're going to have Zach Charbonnet. It seems like some people have started to drop Charbonnet. Maybe they thought he'd be more involved early on. I kind of also thought he'd be more involved, but I still think he's totally worth rostering. Um, He did fall below that 50% threshold. This was the best usage we saw out of him through three games. He had a 43% snap share, nine carries, two targets. He took all the two-minute drill snaps, and then he also filtered in on the goal line. So he didn't dominate the goal line work. Kenneth Walker was still getting his on the goal line, but he's starting to kind of work his way into this offense. So I think he's definitely someone who should be rostered. Could kind of gear up to weekly value later on in the season, and he's always just going to carry that high-end handcuff upside. Next up, we're going to have Ezekiel Elliott. He's another guy who kind of dropped below 50%. I feel like people, they draft these handcuffs, and then they kind of get impatient, and they drop them. So, you know, these guys could end up being available on your waiver wire. Zeke, he's the clear Ramondre Stevenson handcuff. And he is a guy who can, you know, put together a solid workload in favorable game scripts. We saw it this week um, going up against the Jets. They were up pretty much the entire game. He ends up logging 16 carries to Ramondre's 19. So in those solid game scripts where the Patriots are up, Zeke can get a decent amount of work. Then we're going to have Tank Bigsby rostered in 18% of leagues. Just the uh, Travis Etienne handcuff. He took the goal line touchdown. Um, So good to see he has some involvement week to week, but at this point, he's not playable on his own, but definitely someone who becomes interesting if Travis Etienne goes down. Then we're going to have Kendra Miller rostered in 18.6% of leagues, making his NFL debut here in week three. He did end up playing behind Tony Jones. I don't think that's overly concerning. He was working his way back from a hamstring injury. Um, You know, like I said, his NFL debut, he had a 34% snap share, took nine of the 17 running back carries. Now, I don't think Kendra Miller is going to come in and be like the workhorse. We have Alvin Kamara off his suspension in week four, but I do think the Saints want to use two running backs. We saw them go out and uh, sign Jamal Williams in free agency, and then they also went out and drafted Kendra Miller as a day two pick. So I think it's clear they don't want Kamara to be like this locked in clear-cut workhorse. I think Kendra Miller could end up getting a decent amount of work week to week, a solid workload on the ground, potentially getting the goal line work as well. So I think he's definitely worth rostering and could be someone who's playable in favorable matchups. I do think he'll be sharing that backfield with Kamara, and I doubt that Tony Jones kind of stays ahead of him, um, you know, like on the depth chart moving forward. Then we're going to have Roshan Johnson rostered in 33.2% of leagues. Honestly, a pretty even split with Khalil Herbert in uh, week three, just tough to really get excited about this Bears offense at this point. Very rough. So neither guy in terms of uh, Herbert and Roshan Johnson are playable at this point, but maybe they figure it out. Something happens. Um, Still definitely someone who should be rostered in more than 50% of leagues. And then the final running back here, kind of a deeper dive, 
Rico Dowdle um, rostered in just 2% of leagues. Right now, it looks like he's lined up as the Cowboys running back two. Tony Pollard handling a pretty solid workload this season, much higher than what he's experienced throughout the rest of his NFL career. If Pollard were to go down, I think Rico kind of steps in there and would be the running back to own for the Cowboys. Now, shifting over to the wide receiver position, I feel like we got to start it off here with Tank Dell, rostered in 22.5% of leagues. That's way up from uh, week two because he had a solid week two, um, 10 targets, seven receptions, 72 yards, and a touchdown. He follows that up in week three with seven targets, five receptions, 145 yards, and a touchdown. Those are his two games as a starter. Week one, he wasn't getting starter routes. Um, week two and week three, he was locked in as a starter, and he's just you know made the most of those opportunities. C.J. Stroud is playing at a very, very high level. It's wildly impressive what C.J. Stroud is doing as a rookie on an offense that people really didn't think was going to be that solid. I think Tank Dell has solid weekly value. I think he's someone you can play as like a wide receiver three, wide receiver four, a flex option somewhere in there. So definitely someone who should be picked up if he's sitting on waivers. Then we're going to have Zay Jones. Um, and his uh, ownership fell below 50%. He's sitting at 45% right now. Seems like he was dropped by some people just due to being out this week. I do not think like a short-term injury should have led people to drop Zay Jones. We saw him operate as a top two wide receiver through the first two weeks of the season. It was not Ridley and Christian Kirk. It was Ridley and Zay Jones. And then Christian Kirk was operating as the wide receiver three. He had a really strong week one, five for 55 and a touchdown. He did have a goose egg in week two, but he still commanded six targets. I think he almost scored like two touchdowns. He just couldn't get the uh, the feet down. So Zay Jones is still very, very relevant. And if someone you know panicked, dropped him because he was injured, I would definitely be looking to scoop him up. Another wide receiver that actually kind of just fell below that 50% threshold, it's going to be Quinton Johnston. I think some people drafted Johnston thinking he was just going to automatically be like a top three or top two wide receiver for the Chargers. That's really not how things were trending heading into the season. It was going to be Joshua Palmer as the wide receiver three. Then Quinton Johnston would kind of be filtering in. And that's what we've seen so far. Um, and I would have been interested in adding Quinton Johnston, even if we didn't see Mike Williams go down with injury, but it seems like Mike Williams dealing with a knee injury at the time that I'm recording this. I do not know the severity, but I do know some of like the Twitter doctors were throwing out potential ACL. Obviously that'd be brutal for Mike Williams, but that really would open up an opportunity for Quinton Johnson here. So even if Mike Williams is day to day, I still think Quinton Johnston is worth rostering. We've seen these rookie wide receivers break out later in the season. They don't have to be overly involved, you know, the first few weeks. He's on one of the best passing attacks in the NFL. So as long as he eventually gets some sort of shot, I do think he's going to be relevant. Um, and then we're going to have another rookie wide receiver here, Marvin Mims, rostered in under 10% of leagues. And honestly, his usage feels pretty criminal through the first few weeks with how well he's produced in a very limited sample size. He only ran six routes in week two, turned it into two receptions for 113 yards and a touchdown. Then in week three, he gets bumped up a little bit to 11 routes, but was targeted five times on those 11 routes, catches three of them for 73 yards, plus he ends up uh, scoring a kick return touchdown. So I think it's clear to the Broncos that they just got to get the ball in this dude's hand. We saw it in college. His yard per reception was like hovering around the 20-yard mark. So he's a big play threat. We've seen it through the first three weeks of the NFL season. I think he should continue to kind of build on that role. I mean, with what he's done the last two weeks, he's got to see a big jump within the next few weeks. Um, then two more younger wide receivers on the same team here, Romeo Dobbs and Jaden Reed. Romeo Dobbs is rostered in 27.2% of leagues, Jaden Reed in 204 And we saw Romeo Dobbs um, put together his best route participation 
up to 86%. They weren't operating with as much like a wide receiver split as we had seen through the first two weeks. He was targeted 11 times, caught five of them for 73 yards and a touchdown. Through three games, he's averaging 14 PPR points per game. And I do think right now he's like lined up to have the best odds to be the wide receiver too once uh, Christian Watson is healthy, which hopefully is uh, week four. Seemed like he had a shot to play um, heading into Sunday. And then also for Jaden Reed here, didn't have a crazy fantasy day, but had a solid 74% route participation, seven targets, three receptions, 63 yards. He had a few almost touchdown opportunities, so that could have been a much bigger day. But both of these wide receivers have definitely impressed through the first three weeks. And I think Jordan Love has also been pretty impressive um, through three weeks. We're going to have another rookie here in Josh Downs, rostered in just over 3% of leagues. I was a huge fan of Josh Downs as a prospect. I was surprised with how late he was kind of slipping in the NFL draft. I didn't really love the landing spot with the Colts, especially as like a year one option for redraft, but he's come in, he's worked out a role, 84% route participation in week three, was targeted 11 times, caught eight of them for 57 yards, had a 27% target share. Through three games, he has commanded 23 targets. Very impressive for a rookie. Maybe he's not someone you're ever going to feel like super comfortable throwing into your lineup in like a 10-team shallow starting lineup format, but in your pretty competitive like 12-team leagues where you maybe have three wide receivers or two or three flexes, I think he's definitely someone who could slide in at some point in the season. We've seen Gardner Minshew, you know, he went out there, he supported him. Anthony Richardson has looked solid through like one and a half, one and a quarter weeks. So I think Josh Downs is definitely an interesting option moving forward. And then another rookie, Rasheed Rice, rostered in 8.4% of leagues. The Chiefs wide receiver usage is still like all over the place, but I do view Rice as the most interesting option. I just feel like with the other guys, we kind of know what we're getting, you know, MVS, Justin Watson, Sky Moore hasn't had the breakout yet, Kadarius Tony, they just kind of use him as like a gadget option. Rice is the guy where it's like, could he potentially like lock up that wide receiver one spot? His raw participation was at 51%, which isn't great, but it is an improvement from uh, week two where he kind of fell off. Um, the highest wide receiver is only at 63%, so it's not like they were like locked in, clear cut, you know, wide receiver one, wide receiver two snaps. Rice was targeted seven times, caught five of them for 59 yards. If you're getting targeted seven times and you're only running routes on like half the dropbacks, that's pretty impressive. He was also tackled on the one yard line twice, so he could have had a much larger day. And I do think he just will have that opportunity to be their wide receiver one. He's impressed through three weeks. And to be totally honest, I really was not a huge fan of him as a prospect. I thought Sky Moore would be the guy in year two. I've been very wrong. He has looked solid, and I do like the idea of scooping him up. Then we're going to have Rashid Shahid rostered in 27.7% of leagues. He had a really solid week one and week two. He really didn't do anything on offense here in week three. He scored a special teams touchdown. He was only targeted one time, uh, didn't catch anything, one carry for zero yards. So he literally put up a goose egg on offense, but his raw participation went all the way up to 84%. In the previous two weeks, he was kind of locked into like wide receiver three snaps. If he can maintain like an 80 plus percent raw participation, then he is someone who becomes like viable as a weekly flex option, wide receiver three, wide receiver four, especially once we have injuries, bye weeks, all of that stuff. So definitely something to keep your eye on. I wouldn't totally like throw him away just because he had one down game. Then we're going to have Tyler Boyd. And I do think it's tough to say you'd feel confident like throwing him into your lineup at this point with how the Bengals offense has looked, Joe Burrow's health concerns. But I still think long-term Tyler Boyd should definitely be rostered. If Jamar Chase or T Higgins goes down, he's kind of like that rare wide receiver handcuff. Joe Burrow gets healthy. 
he could become like a flex option in the future. And then the uh, weekly Jamison Williams segment. I just think, you know, if he's out there, he's worth a pickup. Lions need a wide receiver too. Haven't had someone, you know, clearly stand out and just stamp their spot there as the wide receiver too. Talented in college. So I think worth a pickup, worth kind of just like a speculative ad. And then moving over to the quarterback position, three players here. Got to talk about Jordan Love again. 47.4% um, ownership. So he's almost, uh, you know, going to miss the cut. Probably next week he won't be available in over 50% of leagues. But he has put up three straight 20 plus point fantasy games. And he did all of that without his top wide receiver. And then he did it without Aaron Jones the past two games. So he hasn't been playing with elite weapons. He's been missing his top weapons and he is still delivering for fantasy. So a very impressive start to the season for Jordan Love. Then we're going to have Matthew Stafford. Didn't get to see him play yet this week, but rostered in 37% of leagues. He's played at a pretty high level through two weeks, 300 passing yards in both week one and week two. And that was without Cooper Cup in the lineup. So once Cup gets back, he becomes a very interesting option. Could be like a fringe QB1 week to week. Um, And then the final quarterback, CJ Stroud, rostered in 10.8% of leagues. Another great game from Stroud. Uh, 20 of 30 for 280 passing yards, two passing touchdowns. And even in a game where the Texans were kind of ahead, they were in control of that game for most of it. CJ Stroud still saw some really solid passing volume. I think the appeal was like, they're probably going to be trailing in games. He's going to throw it, you know, high 30s, 40, 50 times a game, and obviously that'd be great, but it's also a positive that he can support you for fantasy, even in a game that, you know, should lead to a more run-heavy approach. So very impressed with what I've seen out of CJ Stroud through three weeks. Now, shifting over to the tight end position, week one and week two, I felt like there were a lot of potential, like, streaming options at the tight end position. We were still kind of working out different players' roles, At this point, it's looking kind of gross at the waiver wire. So I've got two players here. The first one's going to be Luke Musgrave. I talk about him every week, rostered in 13.4% of leagues. He didn't do anything crazy in week one or week two, but his role was very solid. His usage was nice. He was in 86% route participation here in week three, and he led the Packers in routes run for the third straight game. He was tied with uh, Dobbs in yesterday's game, but Week one and week two, he was the clear leader. So pretty impressive for a rookie tight end to, you know, have that level of trust in the offense. But this was the first real game where he gave you like nice starter production. Eight targets, six receptions for 49 yards. Through three games, he's averaging 7.8 PPR points per game, which like is not great, but he hasn't scored a touchdown. So with no touchdowns, it's really not that bad, especially as like a streaming option, fringe tight end one type player. And then the second tight end I'd be looking out for is Jake Ferguson, rostered in 19.4% of leagues. He only had a 62% route participation. I would like that to be higher, but he just continues to be involved and continues to earn targets. We've seen him get into the end zone. He commanded nice volume in week one, didn't necessarily translate it into production. But here in week three, seven targets, five receptions for 48 yards. So I think probably his most impressive overall game. So definitely someone to look out for on one of the better offenses in the NFL. And now shifting over to the defenses, full transparency. I don't think this is a great week for streaming defenses. A lot of the top defenses have some of the better matchups, but there are still a few out there that I think could be interesting. So starting it off with the Broncos, It may seem crazy to be recommending uh, starting the defense that just gave up 70 points, could have been 73 points, but they're also going up against the Bears, who I am a Bears fan, and the Bears offense is broken right now. They're terrible. They just got lit up by the Chiefs, and so it's kind of like what unit is worse? Broncos, you know, pretty much going to be free in most leagues, and if they were rostered, they'll probably be cut. 
after uh, you know their week three performance. I still think they're one of the better streaming options this week, just based on the matchup. You know, the Bears are no Miami Dolphins here. Then we're gonna have the Bengals rostered in 18.5% of leagues. They go up against the Titans. Titans offense has not looked great. Really struggled here in week three. Then we're going to have the Vikings, pretty much free in most leagues, just going up against the Chargers, which is obviously a brutal matchup. They get the Panthers. Um, I think the Panthers just not an overall stacked offense. They put it together a little bit against the Seahawks here, but we'll see what the quarterback situation is. Still think the Vikings are a viable streaming option. And then we have the Texans going up against the Steelers. Steelers, I guess, looked a little bit improved on offense, but still not a unit I'm overly confident in. We saw the Texans do a pretty good job uh, slowing down Trevor Lawrence and the Jaguars. So those are going to be some of the streaming options, and that's going to wrap it up for the top targets at every position. Hopefully this video helped you guys go out, you know, tackle the waiver wire heading into week four. Hit that like button if you did enjoy the content. Like I said, um, comments down below. I'll make sure to get back to everyone. And then if you want to see my uh, buy low players and then my sell high players, those videos will be up today. So thank you all for stopping by and I will see you in the next one.